The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Circling the Bases podcast. My name is DJ Short and I'm back here with my co-host Drew Silva. We are live on Twitch right now, so welcome to our audience there. If you're listening in podcast form or watching later on YouTube, we're recording Thursday, September 8th at 8.30 Eastern time. And just so you know, with today's show, we're going to stick with last week's theme of fantasy headlines some recommended widely available weekend streamers to close out the show here. Kind of quiet day in baseball this Thursday uh, as football kind of dominates the stage, starting to take it back a little bit. Of course, the kickoff of the NFL season is Thursday night between the Bills uh, and the Rams. I might have that on in the background right now. It's on NBC after also I'm contractually obligated to, to watch it. Yeah, it's part of our gig. You gotta yeah. tune into Thursday night slash Sunday night football. Yeah, it was uh, kind of a lighter Thursday as far as games go, which I don't think there have been a ton of those this this year. Yeah, more of a condensed schedule where it seems like it's been relentless a bit with with how many games get played on Mondays and Thursdays. Do you think they did? Th- do you think MLB did that on purpose with the NFL starting? It would be smart of them too. Yeah, I don't know. Probably. But then again, they get in the way of their own product with like the futures game and the draft. And it's interesting that they chose today to be yeah. light. And the wild the wild card round is a, a weekend when a yeah, it starts don't. on a Friday. It starts on a Friday. Now, what do you think about that? By the way, so let's say you know whether it's the Braves or the Mets win the NL East. Okay, the Dodgers we know we have the best record in baseball slash National League, but the Division winner with the worst record goes into that wild card bracket. Now that's likely going to impact the Cardinals, although they are, you never know, they're red hot. Who knows what could happen there? But how do you feel about a division winner being kicked into that wild card round? I think it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is the first run through with it. And so I'll kind of hold my opinions to see how it all plays out. But I, th- I think that's fine. I think the top two seeds should get a buy, and you know, if you if you you can win your division, but if it's a weaker division like the NL Central is, it's okay that you have to play through the wild card round to to face the big boys. 
Um, I, I I like that the element of that all three games, the best of three, are played at you know the the third divin- division winners home stadium. Um, and that's fun that it's a weekend. Like I'm, I'm probably going to plan on going to a couple of those games or at least one. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I, I think it's fine. I don't know. I, I, I'm holding my opinion on that. Also MLB and the MLBPA announced today, like their intentions of rules changes. And I haven't really had a ton of time to scroll through those. I like the pitch clock. Um, they're talking about banning the shift. I, I still need to f- figure out how exactly they're going to implement that. Um, like I, 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 what I read is it's like two fielders have to be on each side of the back. Yes. Essentially. And right? you have to at least be on the edge of the dirt when a pitch is released. I believe that's what it is. Man, that seems like the biggest change to baseball yeah. rules that we've seen in the modern era, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm willing to see how it plays out. I Same. mean, I, I I feel like you know, of course, Twitter like you shouldn't look too deeply at th- at that. But I mean, people overreacting. I, I feel like it doesn't mean it's forever. I think it, we're trying some stuff out, and if we find out that it's bad or negatively impacting the game, then so be it. And you know, you can make adjustments. But one thing I I, I would like to reward players who like O'Neill Cruz, like if he hits a ground ball at 115 miles an hour or something like that, and there happens to be a shift and it's fielded and thrown to first base, like that's a freakish thing for an athlete to do to hit a ball 115 miles an hour. Like, should that be rewarded? You know what I mean? Like I think yes, personally. I don't know, man. If, if you, put up the right defense against that guy. I don't like that. It's rewarding dead pole hitters that can adjust. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, yeah, there's a fine line there for sure. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I would also say, yeah, we should see how this all works. And, you know, th- they like put out a bunch of stuff and we don't know if it's all going to go through. I think the pitch clock is a great thing. Me too. Um, I'm into it. And I think, it's surprising to me they haven't had bigger bases. Like that's a big thing too, especially at first base. There should be a a place for the runner to cross without where he doesn't have to make contact with the fielder. So that, that seems obvious. Yeah. And the bigger bases will probably result in more stolen bases. The other thing that could result in more stolen bases is this new restriction on the number of times a, a pitcher can, can break or throw to a base um, I think they're calling it disengagements or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, I think it's going to be t- limited to two. And if you throw a third time, either uh, if you're successful, it's an out, you know, if you pick off the runner, but if not, it's considered a bulk and they take the base. I believe that's what it is. That's especially one that I'm interested to see how they actually implement I don't know. I have, I have, I don't have an opinion on it yet. If you're a really good, smart base dealer, it seems like you could kind of take advantage of that. Yeah. Bait a few throws, and then you know you can kind of go on timing. But again, I'm cool with that. I I, I like that. I think the increase in stolen bases and action on the bases is, is a good thing. Yeah. So you know, we'll see. Uh, may not be a big deal in the end. I feel like a lot of these things we talk about and stress out over, and then it's in practice, and you don't even notice it. So, yeah. 
we'll yeah, when, when replay first came about, like there was a whole Twitter account dedicated to uh, watch how this replay situation works and no one really cares anymore. No, no. Um, so we'll get in these headlines here in a minute, but before we do just a quick word for our listeners. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. If you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet, uh, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands this weekend by predicting what will happen in college football, Major League Baseball, and on the NASCAR circuit. And in Premier League, there's also up to $100,000 up for grabs by guessing the outcome between the Buccaneers and forty uh, Buccaneers and Cowboys in our Sunday Night 7 contest. So, uh, definitely go get the NBC Sports, NBC Sports Predictor app today. So let's get into these headlines. And again, once again, we're, we're going to be talking about uh, a lot of prospects and exciting young players being called up here in September. Uh, one we've been waiting for for a while and, and honestly might have been the opening day roster is healthy. Josh Young with the Rangers, their top third base prospect. Of course, he had surgery in February for a torn labrum in his left shoulder. So he's been out for a while. Uh, once he did get back into action, though, I believe it was about a month ago, month and a half ago, he was red hot. And, of course, there was immediate clamoring for him to, you know, get a shot at the major league level. He wasn't included in the Rangers' September call-ups, on, on the initial call-ups a week ago. And he said he was, you know, stressing over that. Uh, maybe pressing a bit. Uh, so after that hot start, he re- really struggled, actually. Hit 190 uh, with a 21-to-1 strikeout-to-walk ratio uh, over his last 13 games in, in AAA. But the Rangers are calling him up here, finally. Um, and I think it's great. Uh, I think they should give him every opportunity the rest of the way to play, as especially as they plan toward 2023, where... I'm sure he's going to be an important part of that roster. Agreed. Yeah. And, and he did definitely fall off uh, after that initial couple of weeks between the Arizona complex league and then triple a round rock, but still nine home runs, seven doubles, 29 RBIs and 31 minor league games since he came back from that shoulder surgery and tore it up last year um, at between double a and triple a another 2019 draft guy who was just ascended 
And yeah, I see no reason why the Rangers wouldn't give him every day at bats down the stretch. You got to kind of like this offensive core. We've yeah. laughed at the Rangers a lot because, you know, they got, they totally kind of reworked their front office all of a sudden. They got rid of, uh, you know, they, they they fundamentally changed the way that this this organization is going to operate because they didn't see success after spending a half billion dollars on new players over the winter. But you know, Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon are going to be there for a long time, and then you add Josh Young to the mix. Nathaniel Lowe has been one of the hottest hitters in baseball for going on three months. Um, Adolis Garcia, who's probably more valuable in fantasy than real life but he's got numbers again and i think a lot of people expected him to be one of the bigger busts this year and he wasn't um you know jonah heim sam hoff is a guy who's a, could be like a post type prospect at the catcher position so i'd feel good about what they have offensively i saw some tweet this week that i mean their starting pitching has been dreadful like for the last two weeks historically bad was the tweet i i, I was looking for it just before we hopped on, but I couldn't find it. So they obviously need some pitching. They have Kumar Rocker and uh, who's the other two? Jack Leiter. Yeah, Jack Leiter, of course. Um, they have some pitching prospects on the way that can help. But, um, yeah, I would expect Josh Young to be a big part of what they do over these final four weeks. And then going into 2023, I would assume that he's going to be on the opening day roster. So the Red Sox called up their top uh first base prospect, Tristan Cassius, uh, this week as well. And a lot of that has to do with Eric Hosmer. So he's dealing with this back injury. It's lingered on and on. And now it seems like he may not return this season at all. So you look at Cassius, he's had a pretty good year in AAA, not like ridiculous numbers. I, I think we're kind of waiting on that, that power progression because his swing is legit. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looks like he has more power in his game ultimately. I guess we'll see. But was hitting 273 with a 382 on base, 11 home runs over 72 games in AAA this season. I think he's going to play a lot here as well, especially with Hosmer, you know, probably not going to return this season. So I don't know. Um, between Young and, and uh, Cassius here, like, I I don't know. I It's a tough call because – I think the Boston lineup is better. Uh, they've been really good in the second half. I think they've been the best offense in the American League in the second half. Um, and certainly the ballpark advantage is there as well. But I don't know. It's a tough call. What do you think? I think that Casas is um, – I love the plate discipline. Like That's something that sticks out to me, what he was doing in the minors. I don't think the in-game power is there yet like that he's going to be a highly impactful player the rest of the way. I, w- I would expect Young to have a better final four weeks than – or I guess – but yeah, I mean, Young's coming up on Friday, so really three and a half weeks. So we're, we're dealing in small sample sizes here. Um, that's yeah. kind of how it goes this time of year. I, I would trust Young more just because yeah. I, I think the – the counting stats are going to be there more. I, I think maybe Casas is a better long-term player because of that plate discipline. Like he's going to add some things to his offensive approach. Um, he can maybe swing a little more often than he does. He draws a lot of walks, which is what you like to see from a young player. Yeah. But I, I would expect that, that young would be more impactful the rest of the way. I, it, it, it's a toss up, honestly. 
Yeah, it is. It is. But I think you're selling me on young and plus, you know, third base isn't a great position in fantasy. So, and first base has been, it's been, I think better than we expected this year. Yeah. So another sort of under the radar prospect, but maybe shouldn't be at this point, Alec Burleson uh, with the Cardinals. Uh, He's coming up. uh, Dylan, uh, he actually started today, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Dylan Carlson went on the IL with a thumb sprain, uh, which opened the door for this opportunity, which honestly maybe should happen sooner because he's been so great in AAA this season. Kind of a sneaky prospect. You know, he played in three different levels last year, which I believe was his first year pro ball. Um, and the numbers were good, but not like amazing. But, you know, this year in AAA was hitting 330, 20 home runs, 905 OPS, over 109 games in AAA. I don't know where you put him on the trust meter, but certainly pretty exciting and someone that could be a sneaky player to watch, I think, going into next year even. Yeah, a second-round pick in that condensed 2020 COVID draft. Um, And, yeah, he just seems like a very pure hitter. And uh, there was some talk that, like, maybe he'd he'd struggle against lefties, but he was batting over 330 against lefties this year in the minors and incredible numbers against righties. Uh, manager Ali Marmol has said he's going to play often down you know, at least while Carlson is out. And it's not like Dylan Carlson was lighting the world up. Um, he had some good at bats this afternoon. I was impressed. Hit one to the warning track, which in some stadiums might've been out. Um, I, I think he's going to get some run and there's an opportunity here for him to get regular at bats for at least the next two weeks or, you know, ne- next 10 days while Carlson is out. I, he's not someone like I'd go out and grab, but if he shows something early on, like in, in the Cardinals initial lineup that they put out this afternoon, he was batting ninth in his major league debut. And there's not a lot of room for him to move up that lineup. Like yeah. it's, it's a lineup that's really clicking right now. Even Tyler O'Neill has has turned it on, and and they had to scratch Tyler O'Neill because he woke up with a stiff neck, and that's the reason that Burleson moved up to the seventh spot. So w- with the lineup spot, um, and only having a limited opportunity to establish himself, he's not someone that would be high on my pickup list in fantasy, especially if you're in the fantasy playoffs. But I, I think he's going to be a pretty good long term asset for them, and um, yeah, a, a real nice kind of steal from that 2020 draft. We, I always bring up the 2019 draft, but it's it's like oh you know kind of usurped the 2020 draft just because you know not as many players were were picked and there weren't like yeah. these value guys later in rounds. It was a lot of college players, yeah. Um, and and so I, I think it. I mean, it's obviously the draft happened one year later than the 2019 draft, but I think it's going to take some time to actually figure out who are the best players from that 2020 class. Um, I, Burleson could be one. He was a pitcher at East Carolina too. Um, so like just a really athletic dude who I think has a high IQ. They were interviewing his dad on the broadcast and he was like, yeah, he had a, he graduated in three years. It's from East Carolina, but still graduating in three years is impressive for a guy who has a full-time job as a college yeah. baseball player um, with a business degree. So I, I think he's a, he's a high IQ kind of guy that, Maybe takes advantage of this opportunity, but yeah, again, not someone that I'm like chasing in, in a fan, in a fantasy like waiver wire pickup situation. So, but I assume Yadier Molina is your number one priority in a mixed league for a pickup right now. I didn't know he could still hit, <laughs> let alone two homers, even one yeah. homer. And the, yeah, the first one was just a bomb. 
But you know, hey, he's like always been really good in September. His basketball team in Puerto Rico won the championship, so that's you know in a good mood. That's off his back. He's I, focused. Yeah. I, he Whatever. he played he played all four games of that four game series against the Nationals, which I wouldn't even advise. But he he had hits in each game, so whatever we'll <laughs> yeah um so someone we've really been looking forward to seeing uh back in the mix wander franco he is set to make his return this weekend he's actually been out now for what two months with a fractured hammock bone. early july yeah yeah um couple of you know setbacks i guess in the rehab process you could call it uh and one i think last week he felt a little bit of discomfort on monday and yeah, then he returned yeah. Wednesday, and then they're going to activate him on Friday. So I don't, who knows? But even before that, even before the handmade bone injury, it's pretty underwhelming. Yeah. Um, he got off to a pretty hot start the first few weeks, if I believe, and then he really trailed off from there. So the overall numbers are not great: two sixty-five homers, seven hundred four OPS over fifty-eight games. I mean. We'll see. I, I know with these handmade bone injuries, you know, the power is impacted. Power, you know, I think what you get from him from a power perspective right now, you would consider it a bonus. But I, I mean, I still think he's a really good hitter. And if he's active, you probably want him in your lineup. But I don't know. Well, I guess we'll see. I, I, I'm a little, a little worried. But I mean, the yeah, Razor, the, the, I think yeah. he's fine. So we'll see. Well, I think they're they're seeing red with being able to possibly catch the Yankees at the top of the AL East. So they might as well give it a shot. And he's been out for so long. I mean, two months is usually enough to heal a hammock bone injury, but I I'd be worried because just on Monday, he had a little setback. He's still dealing with soreness in that hand wrist. And I, I don't know. I'm sure there's a lot of victory laps for people who were like, people are drafting Wander Franco too high because he's had an injury plagued year he had an injury before the hammock bone, and he hasn't been very productive counting stats-wise when healthy, but he's also 21 years old. I didn't expect that this was the year that he would break out. I think I'd love to get him out of value next spring. If you're playing in a more casual league with people who just kind of look at the back of the baseball card numbers, he's going to fall. And I, I would love to get him in his age 22 season at full health going into the spring. Um, I, he, he will definitely be a target of mine next next season and yeah when we when we start reviewing that you know that those the shortstop position um i'm just gonna take the fifth when we talk about wander franco because he's gonna be my shortstop i mean we'll see what happens you know if the rays make a run in the playoffs and wanders in the middle of that you can you're have right that, like recency bias but yep. you know we'll see hopefully it gets to that point where wander can be healthy and be a factor because he's really fun to watch um Another rookie we saw this week, and now going over to the pitcher side, Hunter Brown with the Astros, um, really kind of models himself after Justin Verlander, and you could see some flashes of that. Six scoreless innings with five strike strikeouts, one walk in his MLB debut against the Rangers. This was on Monday. Looked really good. The movement on the pitches, uh, throws hard, uh, mid to high 90s with the fastball. Uh, mostly relied on secondary wise curveball slider, but also through a, a split finger fastball. Um, a few mix a few of those in there. Uh, you know, the stuff is is really impressive to watch. Didn't really uh, induce a lot of swings and misses, but you know, if you got to watch some of it, I saw 
bits and pieces. I saw some gifts that got put out on, on Twitter, of course. And I mean, to me, looks legit as a potential, at least mid-rotation, maybe higher starter for the Astros. Seems unfair that the Astros would just have a guy like this to throw in there. Yeah. 298 strikeouts and 230 career minor league innings, a, a 2.55 ERA this year at AAA Sugarland, um, and he gets he's got a two start week coming up too at Detroit and then against the A's in Houston. That's a Monday nice. Sunday. So, I mean, yeah, I've had some people ask me, like some friends ask me, is there a, is there like some starter I can pick up? down the stretch that no one's talking about. And I was like, it's, it's Hunter Brown out there. Like if you can get him, I, I might, like, maybe he loses his rotation spot when Verlander comes back, but he could yeah. be a weapon and long relief for the, the Astros in the playoffs. I, I don't, I'm not even just basing it off, off one start, but I'm like the arsenal of what I saw was like, this guy is ready right now. And he's going to be an impactful dude the rest of the way. And then into October and perhaps yeah. into November, if the Astros can go that far. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, he could be a serious weapon, even if he's just like coming out of the bullpen, you know? Oh, I, I was going to ask your thoughts. I was writing up the Tyler McGill blurb this afternoon. Cause he went perfect again. And he's pitching in relief on his rehab assignment. Yeah. Um, and now he's got seven strikeouts among the nine batters he's faced. They want him to do like one multi-inning appearance this weekend, and then I think they're going to activate him going into next week. Um, are you excited about seeing him as like a relief option? I know the Mets could kind of use some middle relief, relief help. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly where he's going to fit here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it makes a lot of sense for them to go that route because I do think that the sort of that the middle innings – has been an issue for them. Um, so I think he could fit there as like a multi-inning relief option. Um, and especially with like Taiwan Walker is really struggled down this uh, really for the entire second half, basically yeah. uh, a repeat of last year where he was great during the first half and it's kind of fallen off here in the second half. So if they want to do some kind of piggyback thing with the two of them, um, you know, if Scherzer comes back, I, I could see Walker getting bumped out of the rotation and, you know, David Peterson is taking that spot the rest of the way. And maybe Walker, you know, goes in a middle relief role as well here. But yeah, I think McGill, and if you remember at the start of the season, he was throwing harder. Yep. too. So if we see her and see him in these shorter bursts and, you know, he's throwing mid to high nineties heat and all he has to worry about is throwing an inning or two. Um, I think he could be a big time weapon for them. It's just been, really tough for him to stay healthy. He's been a couple injuries uh, for him with the shoulder. Uh, so hopefully he'll be, be healthy. And uh, obviously Mets fans are hoping that Scherzer's uh, yeah, what's your, isn't a big deal. So. What's your gauge on that? I, it, it's worrisome to me that it's still an issue. You know, he suffered that in mid-May. It was against the Cardinals. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's problematic with his age that it's still a lingering thing. I, I think they should just give him – I know they they feel like they need to win the NL East, but I I would just I would not rush him back. I feel like the Mets are kind of like if we win the division, like of course we'd love to, but you can like winning the division is great, but that's not why you're playing. Like you're playing to win the World Series, you know what yep. I mean? And the Mets yep. are assured of getting into the playoffs no matter what, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's division or or wild card. So hey. 
if they need to play a three-game wildcard series and they can throw Scherzer to Grom and Bassett in it, I think they'll still feel really good about their chances. So if he's not ready, he's not ready. Um, Scherzer's saying it's going to be days, not weeks. He'll actually be eligible to return next week. Mm -hmm. Uh, Next Wednesday, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's really not a big deal to have to wait. You know, we'll see about it. I, but yeah, I think you're right. There's no reason to rush it. It's hard to get him to take his time. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think originally, I think they said six to eight weeks for the oblique. He was back like pretty much right at six weeks. Yeah. About five and a half. Yeah. So who knows? It's hard to say, but he did, he did say he started just feeling a little uncomfortable and he stopped, you know, he took himself out before it, you know, really, you know, started bothering him. So, you know, we'll see what happens, but yeah, I, I think the Mets have greater goals in mind and, division winning that is a huge advantage but it's not everything and he, i think that's yeah. the way they have to approach it for as much as like he he's a intense guy it seems like he knows his body pretty well because he's had these yeah. little blips of things and it's never been anything overly serious he's had some back problems some oblique problems some lower leg issues and it seems like he knows how to manage it and so i i hope he's being careful because yeah they're their view should be October and the Mets would be incredible in a best of three at City Field. I, I think they should feel fine about having to play that. And yeah. with, you know, I know Mets fans are freaking out because they've had some losses against last place teams over the last week, but they've been fine. Like it's just the Braves are the hottest team and well, the second hottest team in baseball next to my Cardinals, but you know, <laughs> yeah. But, but for this prolonged for like three months, yeah, it's, it goes historic. back to May. Yeah. Yeah. It goes back to w- almost when they called up Michael Harris, honestly, um, they've, right. they've been the best, at least the best team record wise in baseball since essentially the end of May. Yeah. This isn't like a Yankees situation or a Brewers, situation. except the Dodgers. I should say the Dodgers have the best record in that yeah. span, but we're but not the Brewers about have them. had a, the Brewers have had a collapse. The Yankees have had a collapse that, which hasn't culminated in anything yet, because they were so great to begin the year. But still, when you compare kind of the way the seasons have played out, the Braves have just been great. The Mets have been very good. And I think uh, amazing for the Brewers. I think Freddie Peralta left his start in the second half of that doubleheader with an injury. So you hope it's not the shoulder again. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Corbin Burns was was awesome in the in the was. first half. I, I I had some action. Um, maybe I had some action, and uh, for him to be the strikeout leader, and I think he just took the edge over Garrett Cole. Huh? If I'm what do you think about on? Zach Gallen sneaking up and taking the NL Cy Young Award? I don't hate it. Sandy Alcantara's pitching right now. I don't know what he's doing. He's been a little. You know, yeah, he's kind of come back to the pack a little bit. He's still thrown like. <laughs> way more innings than anyone else, but I don't know. I think Gallon is if he can yeah. keep this going. So they each probably have five or six, five, maybe six starts left. There's a lot to be decided. Yeah. What's yeah, that number be, at? I, I might, I might take yeah. a look. I don't actually know, but I'm, I'm sure you could play it and it would be, be nice. Yeah, probably. Uh, so Starling Marte is another question for the Mets. Uh, right now, suffered a partial non-displaced fracture on his right middle finger. Uh, suffered that on a hit-by-pitch on Tuesday. 
Uh, the Mets are calling them day day to day for now, which might come as a surprise. But um, if you remember, oh Lindor, yeah, earlier in the season that the Mets were in Los Angeles and he caught his finger in a hotel room door and actually broke his finger and never. I think he I think he was in the lineup the next day. Yeah, and he played through it. He's played through it all season. And I, initially, like he did struggle. I'd say for three or four weeks. It took a while for him to get out of that funk there. And I'm sure the finger had something to do with it. But I mean, the long story short is it's just a matter of pain tolerance. If Marte feels like he can go, then he'll go and we'll see. But I, I'd be surprised if he ends up on the, on the IL, but we'll see. But they need him because he's been, he's been awesome. He's had yeah. a great season. So, um, all right, let's get into some streamers uh, to finish off the show here. Uh, I'm going to start here. Uh, Brian Bayo, I'm g- against the Orioles on Friday. Bayo's been up and down during his limited time in the majors so far, but coming off his best start um, in the majors, uh, six scoreless innings with five strikeouts against the Rangers this past weekend. Uh, the Red Sox offense has been, uh, the Orioles offense has been pretty decent, but still not like super intimidating. So. Yeah. I, I think there's some risk, but I also think since the Red Sox offense, like I said earlier, is really good, there's a good chance that uh, Bayo can walk away with a win here. So I, I would roll the dice on him. I'm into that. I, I picked out Matt Manning at the Royals on Saturday. He's also been very up and down, but like the goods have been really good. Um, yeah. I know he, he's been injured. Like He missed, what, May, June, and July. Um <laughs> But uh, since he's come back in in August, has has generally been good. Had one bad blowout or one bad blow up at the end of August against the Mariners, but just faced the Royals last time out. Had some issues with command, um, but wound up you know with a decent amount of strikeouts against the Giants in late August. He had eight strikeouts over six scoreless innings through seven innings of one run ball against the Angels. The start before that, we've seen some flashes here from a dude who was a former top twenty five prospect. Um, yeah. And I, I think he, he can be that against the Royals on Saturday. Um, and he's, he's, he's like rostered in less than 20% of league. So a dude that's out there that has a juicy matchup. Um, and I, I know the Royals can hit a little bit and they've, they've been a lot better lately, but I, I like Manning if you're, if you're pretty desperate. And if you're really desperate, I'd give Wade Miley a shot on Oof. Sunday against the Giants. The Giants' offense is bad. They're so really, bad. really not good at all. When they put out a lineup like every night, I'm like, really? <laughs> this yeah, team like, won the NL last, yeah. la- even last yeah. year. Like when they would put out their lineup, like, Ugh. it's just a bad offense. So I'm, I'm going for it. I mean, Miley made his return uh, from the injured list on Tuesday, and he was pretty good. He's pretty good. He struck out six batters, allowed two runs in four innings, threw 69 pitches. He missed a really long time. I think it was couple of months at least with a shoulder strain uh, mm-hmm. so he's making his return there uh, to throw almost 70 pitches in his return I think maybe he gets stretched out to 80 85 if he can pitch five innings six innings decent chance for a win there I think even Drew Smiley on Friday against the Giants if you can do a same day pickup I would give him a shot too I would just target target bad offenses if you need a win um so, you know, ratios could blow up, who knows, but uh, I do I would give a shot to those guys if you if you really need to catch up uh, late in the week here. I dig it. 
All right, so that'll do it for us this week. Uh, we'll probably do another kind of strategy episode next Thursday. Uh, you know, late season fantasy headlines, some streamers for the weekend. Uh, and as we, we're going to continue the show into the playoffs, um, and Colin and Chris will uh, still do a show early in the week, and we'll have our late week episode. We'll talk playoffs. We'll also do season wrap up type stuff. So. I'll, we're still going to be here. We're going to be here during the postseason and during the offseason. So uh, definitely stay tuned for that. And if you like what you're hearing with this show, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Of course, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, we could always use uh, your review, your ratings, five stars, always appreciated. Follow us on Twitter if you don't already. I'm at DJ Short. Drew is at Drew Silv. Take care, everyone, and we will see you next time. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.